0: Thank you for listening to the Home Matters Podcast. This is brought to you by Whiteman Brock Real Estate Advisors. We are real estate agents licensed in the state of Minnesota with Property Brokers of Minnesota. We provide you with a wonderful real estate experience. That is our goal. We work with buyers and sellers across the spectrum. Whether you are a first-time home buyer or you have done that many times, our job is to advise and come alongside you and not to make any demands. So thanks for listening. I'm Randy Brock, alongside Ron and Lynn Whiteman. Hi, Ron. Good morning. Good
1: morning.
0: Good morning, Lynn. (laughs) We had a little pregnant pause right there. Sorry, I thought Ron was just going to toss it right over to you. We were just talking about the start of the, before the start of this, we'd like to keep it organic. We do. Uh, And sometimes organic things have a little odor to them, but we'll (laughs) move right on. And our special guest today is Brandon Helgeson. Tom, or uh,
2: Ron, why don't
0: you go ahead and introduce Brandon?
2: Before I do that, I want to do a real quick uh, talk about the market. Can we do that real quick? Sure. I mean, that's kind of our thing. Yeah. All right. Um, And I'm not going to bore you with a lot of details. I'm going to pose a question here. But, you know, the inventory numbers are about the same as we talked last week. Uh, But the interesting thing is we don't want to assume that the same inventory is out there because we actually, in the city of Rochester, listed 27 homes this week. Uh, new to the market and sold more than that, so our, our our market is very active. But my question to you today, and you're just working with a with a brand new first time home buyer. Yeah. Um, how do you know when you can negotiate? You know, I had that question posed to me several times this week. You know, what will the seller take? And while we may or may not know, a lot of it's based on how long the house has been on the market and what price point you're in. So. Um, you've probably got buyers that just ask you that question as well. They did.
0: We had that conversation yesterday. Yep. And it's really interesting. My response to that is always that it depends. Mm -hmm. Every single house that's on the market has its own story. Different days on market, different price, different price range. They're not going to have the same furnace, air conditioner, roof. Disclosures are always different. And the market is always different. If you're Standing in front of a house about to open the door and there are eight other cars on the street with buyers about ready to take a look, that's going to be different than going to look at a house that's been out there for 45 days Yeah, and might have a furnace that's on the edge of collapse. It's very yeah. much different.
1: I think it's um, important to remember too that buyers will ask us that question, and especially if we do know, if if you know we have interacted with the seller, it's important to understand that we can't always give that number, but. If you can, Ron came up with a great answer this week, and it was, yep, I absolutely know the seller will take 180 or higher. <laughs> yeah, at least price or higher, you know.
2: and But that really is the answer when you stop to think about it, where if you're looking in the, what I call the, you know, our lower price ranges, the 300 and under, not that that's lower, but, um, and, and you're watching for that specific house to come on, and all of a sudden it does, and you're the first person or two to look at it, very much to what you're saying. You know, they look at you and say, what can I offer? And you're going, well, you can offer less price or more if it's the house that you want. If you've been doing your homework, pun intended, and looking at the inventory and you know it's priced right, good condition, it's your house, it's less price or more in that price range.
1: And it was interesting this week because we had an offer come in on a listing and it was the first offer, they were not in multiples. But they went above asking because yes. they just wanted the seller to respond quickly and get this thing sealed in. So sometimes you do see that where less price or more, even if they're not in multiples, will will ensure that the seller will respond a little bit quicker. Yeah,
0: and you also got an offer on a listing where there was no response. Because it wasn't as strong enough offer. Exactly. exactly. And the seller that you were representing wasn't going to go down that path.
2: Yep. And days on market, even though we don't focus on a lot, is a good indicator. So like you were saying, if we see something that's been out there for 30, 40 or more days, uh, there's usually a reason. Um, and it's usually surrounding either price or condition or both because they relate to each other. So,
0: And oddly enough, you had one that was long in the tooth on days. Yes, And then you had six showings and multiple offers that happened in one day. So if you're that buyer thinking that you're starting to, you feel like you're a shark at some point, you're starting to smell blood in the water, that you're going to be able to just jump right in and negotiate and get a deal. You might not be, you know... Chasing, right. chasing the right fish right. on
2: that one. So all that to say is if you're out there as a buyer looking, you really need to be working with somebody, uh, a realtor, real estate advisor that knows the market, has history, can can advise you, and then if you trust that person, go with what they're telling you.
1: So then people will say, but it is then a seller's market. And when I'm asked that question, I have a response. What do you say when somebody says, so it's a seller's market?
2: Oh, I like Randy's answer. It depends. It does. (laughs) What's your answer?
1: Well, it's a seller's market, but the buyers are very well educated. True.
2: That's Um, that's good.
1: The buyers do know if a house is overpriced. So sellers in this market can't just get, you know, push the market to a point point. Um, of greed because this, the buyers are educated and the buyers know good value because they have been out looking at almost everything that's out there because the selections are le- are fewer. So it's in my opinion, it's not just a seller's market. I think it's a still a very balanced market.
0: Yep. yeah, the buyers have pushed back. Mm-hmm. I think that it was a really really strong seller's market, right? I'd say, three and a half, four years ago, and things were getting a little crazy with the volume or the the dollars over listing Mm -hmm. that a lot of houses were going for. And that's not necessarily happening as strongly as it was before. I agree. And sale price is not a blank check. You can't just say seller's market, therefore even though this house was 250 last year, we're going to go 325 yeah. and see how that goes. With no updates. Right. <laughs> well, that's because <laughs> done we done have anything. these
1: people out there called appraisers, and they kind of keep us in check, don't they? Which yes, is, they do. Yes, Which they is do.
2: really good. That's I'm excited a, to jump good good into our conversation <laughs> with Brandon. Thank you for taking the time today. Well, thank you for having <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, we really appreciate it. So Brandon and I had coffee uh, a month or so ago, and his story I found quite interesting, and so I'm, I'm anxious to kind of dig into this. but Tell us a little bit about you, because I think this is fascinating, where where you grew up and where you came from.
3: Yeah, well, I didn't uh, grow up too far away. I didn't move too far from home. I grew up in a little town called Blooming Prairie, Minnesota, um, home of the Blossoms. Home of the Blossoms. I'm sure mm-hmm. Randy's heard that, uh, oh, that yeah. name uh, plenty of times. And I'm, I, I've got to give this little plug in for the Blossoms. Everybody likes to make fun of the, the name and the mascot. Okay. They took the state ta- uh, championship in football this year.
0: Nice. Yes. I didn't good know that. For them. Do you think it's
3: partly because the team
0: is called the Blossoms that they've got a chip on their shoulder? Well, so they they get tougher. It's like the boy named Sue.
3: Not really. I mean, but, <laughs> hey, when I went to high school there we weren't that good, but the the coach that they have over there now has actually developed a pretty good program over the past yeah. several years. I mean, this has been, you know, probably 10 plus years that they've competed pretty well in football. So I, I think it's just the small town mentality.
2: So. And I have to admit, when I did hear that they were the blossoms the first time, I did kind of sit back and wonder about that.
3: Yeah, it was nice to see uh, the blossoms on ESPN for something other than our name. The, the, right. One of the kids in the state uh, championship <laughs> oh, had right. a top four it was like one of the top ten plays of the day. Yeah, this yeah. is just phenomenal catch. I, you know, I I went to the game. It was just an awesome game to watch. It was a lot of fun. Fun. Yeah.
1: So I have a random question for you about Blooming Prairie because I and this is probably don't you can say fifth amendment on this but Blooming Prairie are there do they take care of the prairie? Do they have prairie grasses and things like that, that they nurture, that they take care of? Oh, is you, that...
3: You got to throw me a tough one like that today. <laughs> that is a curveball.
0: <laughs> Somebody's going to have a prairie in Blooming Prairie.
3: <laughs> you know, and, and I, I, I think it wasn't actually, um, it was more not prairie grass, but it was more the, um, the, the flower portion of it. Um, I think that uh, the Highway 218 is actually considered, you know, something along that line, the road of flowers or something. I'm, and I'm Absolutely inaccurate on that, but that's what I have stuck in my head, that it's, it's, it's something along that line. So it was something more, if memory serves, a little bit more to do with flowers. It shows you how much I know about the, the town I grew up in. I probably no, know more about the town I live in now. That's that,
1: Actually, it just dawned on me. I've listened to that name for years, and all of a sudden I went, oh, it is, Blooming Prairie. So. Yeah. <laughs>
2: So you left Blooming Prairie to come to Rochester or where uh,
3: yeah so I mean you know I, mean, I it was it's a nice town I, my parents still live uh, in, the, in the rural area over there um, but uh, I to be honest with you I couldn't get out of there quick enough I just you know I wanted, sure. to, but you know I really moved far away like yeah, I was just gonna say it's 50 miles no <laughs> and it's not that I you know I I, I, I enjoyed my time going up there but I just you know it was uh opportunity to do something different um, I was really into obviously music and electronics. So right out of high school, I got myself a job at Best Buy and thought that was uh, that was pretty nice and mm-hmm. was sales manager and stuff like that. So there's just more opportunity in Rochester for what I was doing. Um, and as a small town DJ, I mean, obviously this was the, the place to be. There's all mm-hmm. sorts of stuff going on. I, I, uh, before I even, I think, graduated from high school, I had a job at lined up at Best Buy and I think within a couple months of moving to town, I had a job lined up at the old Aquarius McMurphy's, which didn't last very long. But I tried. I tried. It didn't last long
0: because your job didn't last long, or were you at the end of Aquarius McMurphy's? No, lifespan?
3: no, I, I, I'm, I'm old, so they they were on long after long after uh, long after I left. It just wasn't. My my cup of tea. You know, right. I, and maybe that was because I was a small town boy. I'm like, okay, this is this is not what I'm used to. You can't so I'm like, till three A. M. Yeah. I'm like, it's, it's time for me to look and do something different. Uh, you know, and shortly after that I was fortunate enough to have the general manager, the old smiling moose, uh oh, yeah. oh, wow yeah. come in and hit me up and for some speakers or something that they were doing in there, so I got to talking to him and he was talking about he's like well what else do you do and i said well i'm a dj and he's like he goes well we got this thing called this beach bash and we we need a dj Mm -hmm. for it and i'm like okay i said i'm not 21 he's like i don't care you know i was 18 (laughs) so i was old enough to work in the bar and i'm not a big drinker so it wasn't like i was breaking the law i wasn't out there drinking i mean the waitresses and bartenders all offered me something i said no no i said i'm not older enough like oh really <laughs> so i mean that's that's kind of how i got my foot in the door in the in the entertainment thing in town because uh, for those of us who've been around this town for a long time uh, you know that, that was a pretty hopping place it back was in this day, so
2: yeah it was and so uh, big bang what is big bang well <laughs> besides <laughs> we're the gonna, tv <laughs> show
0: we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna
3: leap here i'm just gonna point out I was around a long time before the TV show. I have every time I'm wearing a hat or something branded like, oh, the TV show. I'm like, no, no. no." I said, you know, (laughs) I I really should look into something about that. But no, so at uh, probably 11 years old, 12 years old, I had a brother-in-law that uh, now brother-in-law at that time was just a boyfriend of my sister uh, that uh, did some DJ work. And uh, he said, hey, I got to do this, you know, teen dance thing. He goes, do you want to come and help me set up and run lights? You know, I'm thinking it's pretty cool because I grew up with four older sisters. I don't have any brothers. So I'm thinking it's pretty cool to go yeah. do that. I realize he's probably just trying to gain brownie points with my sister. But, oh. you know, I'm, I'm like, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll go do it. And I went and, done, we went and you know, ran these lights and helped carry stuff. And man, thought, man, this is, this is kind of fun. This is kind of cool. I really like music. Uh, you know, so I'm like, I was a pretty shy kid at that, that time. And I'm like, yeah, I think I could do this. So... Um, You know, I shoveled blacktop for my dad for a year and a half, two years and uh, bought my first set of used uh, equipment and it was, some of it was homemade, some of it (laughs) was, uh, and I still have the original set of speakers I I, I have and they're up in my garage, but that's the one thing that I did keep from from getting started. So it just kind of started there and I found that I had a little bit of a... A niche for it. Uh, you know, I'd, I was able to figure out what songs to play that went well together and people seemed to like that. And I, you know, all through high school, it was, my friends were bagging groceries three or four nights a work, week. I'd work twice a month and make twice as much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it was, uh, it was just a nice little part-time job. And I, I learned that I kind of like to be on a microphone. I kind of like to pick on people. Um, so that just kind of, it kind of opened up a lot of different opportunities. And the, the name Big Bang uh, came through several different transitions. When I when I originally started this, I had a couple buddies in eighth grade that were going to be my partners. Mm-hmm. That lasted all of about uh, a hot minute. Um, <laughs> so I realized real quick that okay, this is just kind of kind of my thing. So you know, I, I had one kind of name going through high school, and then when I when I moved to Rochester, I'm like, well, now's the time to kind of. Uh, you know, change up the name a little bit. And it, and it was, you know, we called ourselves Sonic Eclipse DJs, but the whole catch line or whatever we thought we were using, that was really cool. The big, we used the Big Bang, you know, so mm-hmm. our, our graphics were kind of along that, you know, the, the sound, the, the whole idea of the Big Bang theory. Um, and so that was mm, early nineties uh, when I did that. And we just, more people just started, They'd call me Big Bang or, you know, say something along that. Yeah. just seemed to catch on a lot more. We had some really goofy T-shirts that I won't reference on a p probably PG-rated podcast, <laughs> yeah. um, but that really kind of caught on. So that's where the, the Big Bang really kind of started to uh, to take off. So then we became Big Bang Entertainment. And as those things uh, rolled around, uh, like I said before we started, I, I'm a guy that doesn't know how to say no. So it was all of a sudden I'd have a bar owner, hey, you know, do you, do you know where I can get TVs or a sound system? I'm like, yeah I can find you something. Well, do you know somebody that can install it? Well, I could probably do that, you know and it so it, it kind of transitioned into a, a couple different things and and we started as as strictly an entertainment company. But we learned real fast that there was lots of things that could be provided in events, and then we learned that commercial installations uh, for you know stuff like it's sitting on the table right here, um, being able to have access to that stuff and install it for people, uh, there was a little bit of a niche market for that. So we kind of started doing some stuff like that, uh, and then when this thing Facebook came out, I was you know telling all these bars we need to you know we need to be using this uh, social media, this Facebook. You know, MySpace had been out there, but it wasn't a real strong tool. And, I think I was probably, probably member number five on Facebook, to be honest with you. Um, but I, I kept telling them, like I said, you know, the tools that it has already, I said, to be able to get the word out to people. I said, they said, people don't realize they're putting in all these metrics. I said, so I can get so specific with who I'm trying to target. And I have been a radio advertising guy. I mean, ran radio marketing programs for lots of different places for years and years and that's, you know, kind of where we came up some goofy commercials that we did and how I started doing some voiceover. So it just kind of everything started on the entertainment side and just kind of naturally led to some other things that were in some way, shape or form complimentary. Um, and like my dad always says, I'm a jack of all and a master of none. Well, I, I, I try to be dangerous enough or know enough uh, about everything that I'm that I'm working on, but then also know t- enough to say, okay. I know enough to, you know, talk with this client to, to get what their their need. But then when it comes to the really specific, the technical knowledge, I've been fortunate enough to surround myself with some really good people and build relationships with some guys that know way more than I mm-hmm. do. You know, so when I do have a question, I, it's a quick phone call saying, hey, you know, this? they're struggling with this, this, and this, and and he's like, oh, you got to do this, this, and this. I'm like, okay. And now I've increased my knowledge level as well. So it's just kind of a, a wide range of stuff that we do or, or, or did. I've, I've kind of rolled over some of the, the, the boots on the ground operations to to my right-hand guy, um, Kyle, who's out working right now while I'm doing this. Nice. <laughs> Um, so I, it just was kind of a, a natural transition. Uh, you know, I, I, went to school, I did a stint at Mayo. I worked full time there. Um, but I always just found that, uh, maybe it's because I'm stubborn. Maybe it's because I like to be the boss that it just always seemed to be better when I was working for well, myself. Well, I think
2: you have to be driven. I mean, you talked about having a vision in eighth grade. You talked about moving here, you know, when you're 18 and, and jumping in and you have to have a vision and you have to have, um, just uh, I'm going to do this, and, yeah. and and not really care about you know what else is going on around you.
3: Yeah, I, a little piece on that. And this is still I, don't, I have no idea where he's at these days. Uh, but my high school principal, I I was a pretty good student. I got pretty good grades. I went post secondary, my senior year of high school, uh, and and my principal pulled me aside, and he's like, he goes, Do you really think you're going to make something out of this DJ thing? And, you know, I get it. He was wanting to encourage me to, to, to probably go to college, and, and, and I, I, I did. I didn't, I didn't get a four-year degree, but I, I spent plenty of time in college, and I've even kicked around going back and finishing that off when I, when I find some free time. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, the thing of it was is that it was kind of that's maybe part of also what made be kind of a little more determined is because, you know, when he said that to me, I said, well, I, you know, I, said, I do pretty well for myself for a 17-year-old kid. I said, I don't, I said, I have nice cars. I -hmm. go on trips. I said, I paid for my best friend and I to go to Mexico. You know, this is my senior year of high school. I said, so for right now, I said, it's, it's fun. It's a, it's an easy job. I enjoy what I'm doing. I said, I I said, I said, I think that's important. I said, I think enjoying what you do is Mm -hmm. important. Uh, And, you know, he kind of like, he goes, well, I don't think you're ever going to make anything out of it. And. You know, when I moved over here, I'm kind of like you know that kind of irked me a little bit. i have always been kind of a guy where, uh, and maybe I get a little bit from that from my dad. But you you tell me I, you know, I can't do something. I'm going to show you I can.
0: Yeah,
3: <laughs> I hear you. Uh, so
0: now I'm curious if you were going to put what you your company's name, what you do, in a 30 second elevator speech. What would you tell someone? You're in Las Vegas. You go into your room. Someone says, "What do you do for a living?"
3: Yeah, I would just say, "Well, I own an event production company. We specialize in entertainment uh, event production, marketing, and uh, we also have this branch that we do pro audio video installation." That's that's about the only way to really describe it. Because then usually, sure. if it's one of those things speaks to them, then they'll ask me about those. But uh, up until recently, when you would ask my kids what they do, they're like. Uh, Yeah. Oh, no.
0: For a while, I had a hard time knowing what my wife did for a living. I'm like, all right, boil this down for me. I need the quick version. Uh, So what would your average, who's your average client?
3: Uh, So we have a a variety of of clients. Uh, For a long time here in Rochester, it was a lot of bars, a lot of bars and restaurants, Um, you know, a few few corporate clients around here. Um, And about seven or eight years ago, I'm like, I had somebody happen to hit me up and say, hey, you know somebody tells me you're a great MC, you want to come out and MC this thing out in in San Diego? And I said, sure. It's April. It's right around my wife and I's anniversary. I'm like, he's like, he goes, well, I don't have a lot to pay. I said, well, I tell you what, you put my wife and I up and uh, take care of our rental car, stuff like that. I said, we'll call it good Mm -hmm. because I'm thinking, all right, I got a trip for my wife and I in April when it still wasn't super nice back here in Minnesota. uh, And so we went out there and we did this and I didn't know it was the first time they were even trying this. It was, um, Hmm. you know, just a They were, it's a Ragnar relay race is what it was. And it was the first time they were trying this specific location to have an MC and a guy playing music there. Um, So I didn't, you know, I didn't think much of it. I just went and did my thing. And that, you know, kind of all of a sudden it was like, you want, Hey, you want to come do a couple more of these? So, you know, being a guy that pays attention, I started looking at a lot of these things and it was how can you kind of streamline this stuff a little bit so mm-hmm. that's kind of what really brought us into the national stuff so our clients more recently in the past six or seven years have been folks like ragnar uh the color run uh, we did the electron which was a nighttime run we've done a, a couple of concerts we worked uh, uh, firefly out in dover delaware uh so just some things like that and, and we, we again we found that um, you know, it was tough kind of getting into that market and we, we saw some, some tough things in year one, uh, where we had somebody that kind of left me hanging with a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that was me being Minnesota nice saying, all right, this guy's been pretty, you know, he's been mm-hmm. on time with stuff. And then when he got behind I'm like, oh yeah, don't worry about it. We can we can wait another. And then it was not a week, then it was a month. And so I learned that I had to be a little bit tougher than what I was used to around here. But uh, so more recently, our clients have been folks like that, mostly a a, a strong uh, category in the running industry. We just found that uh, there's a lot of production companies, event companies that really didn't look at them as a true viable client. They'd, They'd go do stuff, but they're like, ah, you know, it's not a big concert tour. Well, concert tour might be 15 dates. A, a run tour can be 30 to a hundred. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you factor it in they're, they're pretty nice. So that, that same gentleman that, uh, that hired me to go MC this first thing out uh, in San Diego, he's still a client. Uh, when he developed a new tour last year for Ragnar, uh, I was his call. So I think that's kind of just how I've gained and maintained clients is just by Understanding, you know, hey, you gotta you gotta work with them. You gotta be mm-hmm. uh, willing to be be helpful to them. Um, and so, more recently, that's kind of what our clientele has been is more kind of that national stuff. And mm-hmm. now we're starting to peel back and do a few more things locally. So the, our other main client, like here in town, we work with the RDA. Um, we do uh, all their event booking, event setup and teardown for Thursday's downtown. I got three DJs playing Social Ice this weekend. Get a yeah. little shameless plug in there for sure. them, yeah. um, and you know just things like that. So it's it's more specifically event related is where we've really primarily been focused. We have a couple things that just kind of fall into my lap that we'll take. If we get somebody that calls me and says, "Hey, we're working on this audio project," we'll take it on. But there's that's kind mm-hmm. of what we've been pursuing is more mm-hmm. of the event side of things as of late.
0: That was a light bulb moment for me just now. I've just you know the runs I've been in the five Ks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The half marathon, all these events, that's an integral portion of all these events. Mm-hmm. The DJ, the music, you don't yeah. think about it. The yeah. music's always happening, the announcer, the speakers, all the setup, the wiring.
2: That same thing happened yeah. to me when we were having when I was having a conversation with him. I thought, oh, yeah, that's right, because with without it, I mean, they wouldn't be nearly the, the event
3: that they right. are. So, yeah, yeah. The, the fanfare. It, it, it can definitely make or break. I mean, that's one of the reasons why this uh, – This thing with Ragnar took off is because, you know, all of a sudden all these people are like, this made it so much more fun. I mean, there's because it was, I mean, it's where the first two teams would meet and they never had music really going. They never really had somebody interacting with them. And I'm a smart aleck. So, I mean, I'd pick on these people. I'd call out their goofy costumes, you know, whatever it might be. And that's, 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 that's part of the fun.
1: So you, you have this big successful business that's gone national and then all of a sudden, you become the director of Rochester Fest. <laughs> Tell me how that happened.
3: You sound like my fourteen-year-old son asking <laughs> me that question. <laughs> um, how did you, you get there? Well, I mean, it, it had been a lot of travel, um, and uh, while I'm flying in and flying out for a lot of these things, it, it does get to be a little bit, a little bit taxing, especially when you know you have uh, a now fourteen-year-old uh, and a nine-year-old, and my daughter's nine. Um, so just not being there quite as much. I mean, even if it was just a, you know, a lot of times it was out for, in and out for a three-day weekend. But, I mean, I was the guy that, you know, I flew out the last possible minute I could on Thursday. And all my staff would always be like, why are you taking that ungodly flight on Sunday morning? i like, because I want to get home. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I, I, I am a homebody as, as I've gotten older. So I like to just be home. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like my own bed. I, you know, but I, more, more importantly, I, I like to be around my kids, even if they're, you know, involved with something else or not paying any attention to me, just the fact that I know I'm there or around him, or whatever is, 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 to me is really important. So I wasn't looking to apply for a job. I wasn't looking to go out and secure any position or something like that. It was, uh, I was working an event with Tracy McCray and, uh, uh, up in Duluth. Uh, we were both emceeing a, a Ragnar, the, the Minnesota Ragnar, and I was over there kind of talking to her in a little bit of a break and she's like, she goes, Oh, she goes, I'm a little mad at Brent Ackerman. He didn't tell me that he was going to be stepping down from Rochester West. I'm like, oh, I said that's too bad. I wonder what happened. She's like, oh, well, it sounds like he's taking another job. I'm like, oh, good for him. Hopefully, it's a you know step up or step in the you know direction he wants to take. And it wasn't. It was, I was still on site, and I got a call. I won't I won't say from who, but I got a call that that day saying, hey, you should come apply for this position or put in your resume. And I said, I, I'm not looking for a job. And they're like, yeah, but we heard through the grapevine that you might be looking to stop traveling a little bit. And there's some flexibility in this job. Uh, so it grape- just, it, yeah, it happened to be the right fit. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can work from home if I want to for a couple hours. Uh, pretty typically, you know, I do. Um, and flexibility. So it seemed to be the right fit.
0: So then with that said, uh, did you have a backup for your business already?
3: Well, uh, yes and no. Um the uh, the gentleman that uh, is kind of my, my boots on the ground guy that's, that's ran a couple tours for the past couple of years, I was really sitting there scratching my head saying, all right, I've given him a raise the past couple of years. How am I going to find a way to give him a little bit more money uh, this year? Um, so, you know, I, I'm kind of like, all right, you know, maybe if I do this, maybe I can find a way to, you know, add an additional little weekly stipend just for handling a couple things. And now is our slow season. So during our slow season, it's, you know, he's got other things that he's doing for me that he's doing some DJ work and some stuff like that locally. And then I give him a little stipend just for about a day, day and a half of work to just kind of follow up on some of the, 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 the grunt work for lack of a better term, you know, making sure this gets there. Um, you know, following up and going collecting pay, you know, checks and stuff like that. So it just happened to be that when it came about, I was like, all right, this might be that opportunity to maybe help him get kind of get to the next level too. So that's kind of, it just worked
1: out. So you just handed over the business to someone else. And and even though Rochester is like an event, um, you felt like that break was important.
3: Yeah. I, you know, I, I think that it was um, I think that it was important because just for sake of conflict and interest now and i I need to be clear on this because I needed to be clear on it with the, with the Rostrafest board. I have not completely walked away from my business i i sure. I won't do that unless somebody comes and offers me the right price to buy it sure. <laughs> but uh you know i i I didn't completely step back so. Um, I work on that during my downtime. So there might be, I might still handle that sales call with one of our clients saying, here, this is what we can do, um, you know, for you, for this tour, for this year, stuff like that. Um, it's more the, the operation side of things that I kind of said, all right, I'm not going to be the one running around handling all this, Kyle, you need to do it. Um, and hopefully I can kind of get him to the point where he can also be, he doesn't like sitting behind a computer. He doesn't like yeah. doing some of that stuff. I'm like, I said, well, you kind of need to get used to it. Cause that's, that's a part of the gig too, is doing some research, finding out what, uh, how many miles it takes to get here, what that's going to cost in gas and how many hotel rooms you need to have. So all those things, and he's starting yeah. to kind of learn some of that stuff, but for right now it was mainly just the, the operational side of it that I really kinda of turned over. So I, I I'm still an advisor. I still take phone calls from clients.
1: So one of the things that I really love about Rochester is is how much downtown activity there is. You know, Thursdays on Furs, Socialize, those kinds of things. And it sounds like you're you have been influential in, you know, getting some of that up and going and keeping it Alive, active.
3: Well, I, I hopefully I've, I've I've been a good uh, good partner for them or a, a good person to work with. I would think if you ask most of the RDA staff, they they'd say yes. Um, and that's one of the things that on on the business side of things, I still do tackle some of that uh, just because I have that relationship with them. Um, you know, there's been obviously some some turnover there. Um, Carly's the started about the same time that we started working with them. So, I mean, the two of us are kind of the old veterans when it comes to some of the operations on Thursdays downtown, uh, and, and stuff like that. But yeah, you know, I, I think that, I think trying to come up with new and creative ways for them to kind of maybe refresh an event and stuff like that, they'll at least listen to my ideas. Sometimes my ideas are off the wall, but sometimes those are the ones that work best. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I think that I hopefully am contributing in a positive way to that, uh, that area down there.
2: Right. So when we, we moved here many years ago, um, and I, I didn't understand this whole Rochester Fest thing. We came from a community that didn't do those type of events. And uh, so the first year I thought, oh, this it's okay. And then, you know, every year, same time, and you see more and more excitement about it. But I now understand that, and I don't know how long it's been going, you probably know, um, that it's a big deal to Rochester. And, and so, so tell me, uh, what is Rochester Fest to Rochester, in your opinion?
3: Well, it, to answer the question, started in 1983. It was and it was a, the mayor at the time that said, we need to do this. We need to do something okay. to celebrate our city. Um, you know, and the year after that, it kind it of became its own entity. He, again, encouraged them to kind of create their own board and their own entity. Um, w- what it is to Rochester. Um, that's a good question. Because that's a question I ask when I'm out talking to somebody about Rochester Fest. Some people, and I say, what is Rochesterfest to you? Well, it's that parade. It's the parade. Yeah. You know, it's the parade. It's the the candy. It's the marching bands. Some people, when I ask them, it's oh well, you know, it, you know. For some of them, it was oh, it's that thing that used to be down in front of the Civic Center. For some, it's the thing that used to be where Thursday's downtown is. For some, it's oh, it's at that park out at Soldier's Field. So it's it's a variety of different things, <laughs> and it is all of those things, but the. The driving force behind it, um, and when I, when I talk to people about this, that kind of maybe starts to click. Is You, you kind of got to tell your story, and sometimes it sounds a little bit like bragging, but you got to kind of tell your story for people to understand. So Rochester Fest, ideally, is something that is the whole entire city. It is the parade. It is stuff down at, at Soldier's Field right now. Uh, or, from here on out at Siltersfield, I should mm-hmm. say, short of more construction happening there where we'd have to relocate. But it's also things that happen all across the community. I mean, there's things going on at RCTC. There's breakfast on the farm. So it is the entire community, and it is here to celebrate uh, the the city that we live in. It is to give back to the residents of the city that we live in, giving them low- to no-cost events, in a week long of festivities, um, you know something for them to do, something to celebrate where we live. There's a lot of people that they might kind of, oh, you know, ho and hums about some of the little quirks that Rochester might have. But when you really sit down and say, okay, would you prefer to live someplace else? Mm-hmm. I'd say 99.9% of them are like, no, I'm pretty happy where I'm at. Yeah. Um, so that's that's kind of the charge. That's what Rochester Fest is. It is here to celebrate the city, but. What a lot of people don't realize is some of the other aspects of what Rochesterfest is. Rochesterfest is a nonprofit partner. We are a nonprofit, but we're also a nonprofit partner. So many of the events that take place for Rochesterfest are either benefiting a nonprofit, educating people about a nonprofit, saving that nonprofit money, because so many nonprofits sit there and scratch their head on how do we market something, how do we put on an event. Um, and I've actually, I, I was trying really hard to get all these numbers put together before this. I just mm-hmm. didn't have time to do it, but I started, you know, kind of calculating those things because like I said, I think it's important to tell the story. Um, so, I mean, you'll see probably on the Rochester Fest Facebook page within the next couple of weeks, this is how, what we contribute, you know, so showing some economic impact on what, how we were contributing to nonprofits, not only what we're maybe giving to them, but what were they're saving them because... We don't, you know, they don't have to pay for a rental of a park. That's part of what we have. If they're taking, uh, doing something in one of the parks, we go and we reserve it for them. Um, I was in Hawaii sending an email to make sure that I got every park that I need knew I needed to have reserved. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I was on vacation. I'm like, I got to get this done because right after the first year, I got to make sure that nobody beats me to it. So, you know, there's things like that. There's also the economic impact that Rochester Fest, people are like, well, oh, what's the big deal if Rochester Fest went away? Well, There's, there is significant impact, Mm -hmm. economic impact from a week long event. Um, you know, there's lots of those vendors that sit down there and sell food, they're Rochester based, they're raising revenue. They're paying employees, you know, we pay for services to Rochester area businesses, uh, that come and provide us services. So there's, there's those, those backside of things that a lot of people don't really take into consideration. So there's, there's a lot more impact from Rochester Fest than people think. And moving forward, um, you know, kind of my big thing is the new executive director. Um, is I really want to say, find a way to that, that platform, our business operating platform for lack of a better term is to continue my charges to bring these events, to bring things for people to do, but to do that in a meaningful way, meaning that anything and everything we do, that we're finding a way that that's helping out another nonprofit, helping out another group, uh, that maybe needs help in Rochester, because if we're supposed to be giving back to the community with things to do. Why can't we be doing that in a meaningful way where it's giving back to others that might be in need or might need assistance or might need, you know, some resources, whatever it might be. So that's that's kind of the way moving forward. And we, we have some, some pretty significant changes, I think, for my first year doing this. Um, we're, we're almost doubling the space down at Soldiers Field. Uh, we're adding in a, you know, 5K run at the beginning of it because obviously as we talked, they have a little bit of experience in that mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that area. Um, but we're doing that in a way, again, where all those things are tied to, you know, uh, places that we think are, uh, you know, kind of in need or, or ones that we think that are really doing a good job in, in, the, in the city of Rochester, the greater community of Rochester that are giving back. Uh, Family Services Rochester uh, is one of the ones that we're working with. They've done once upon the playoffs. Well, we're going to try to, you know, take that and actually expand that for them. Um, and, and part of the reason for uh, trying to grow the partnership with them, they've been there for several years now, is when I went and talked with some people that are in the industry day in and day out dealing with people that might be dealing with financial stress, mental health, uh, you know, children at risk, stuff like that. When I talk to the professionals within the county, within the city that have to work with those people, because I know a few uh, a few select ones I won't name names and get them in trouble um, but when I when I said you know who's really doing a good job of helping out you know in these categories who's really doing a, a good job of doing this um, almost all of them that's that's one of their you know top of mind was Family Services Rochester because it's all, all the different programs that they do have in place and there's a couple other ones that we're working with as well but I mean the, the idea behind it is any non that's trying to do something to help our community if I can figure out a way to help them out even if it's outside of Rochester Fest even if it's just you know, picking my brain maybe for some information, or uh, you know, like uh, Channel One—it's their 40th anniversary. They want to do this thing, and, and they're going to do it during Rochester. Fest, but they're like, oh, you know, I said I'll donate some speakers. I said I'll I'll, I'll send you a DJ and some cool. speakers out to your parking lot, and that's just me personally doing that because again, I think that the more people we have kind of seeing that that mentality of helping out community, I think it's good. And you also talked about uh, making um, a little bit more for family
2: focus uh, during retro Yeah, breakfast.
3: I mean, we've, uh, there's a lot of people that are, oh, why don't you move it back downtown? It, I'm just going to tell it right here, right now, it's not moving back downtown, folks. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's staying where it's at. Uh, so where it's at now it, it is actually, it's a pretty good family space. If you've been down there, if you have kids, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a nice family space. There's plenty of room to spread out. You can lay a blanket down if you want to listen to music. Um, you know, you can let your kids run around and not worry about it a whole lot because you can still see them. Um, so that's that's kind of the big thing. So I, I think that's kind of been their focus, and it was Brent's uh, Brent's focus the past couple years, and I, and I think that he was definitely on the right track. So that's kind of what we're doing is we're really trying to take and expand upon that. Now, I don't want to alienate people either. This is for everybody in the community. So while it it is obviously heavily family-oriented, we're going to try to still do some things with... uh, you know, our lunchtime stuff for the professionals that are downtown. And it is only about a block to two blocks difference from where it was before. So it's, you can still walk down there. Yeah, folks. we could all use a walk.
0: <laughs> yeah, Every yeah, one of us. Yeah, and that's exactly. a good thing. Especially if you're going to go down to have a 3,000 calorie lunch. Yeah, so You are
3: absolutely right. You okay, need to walk off those cheese yep. curds, you know. <laughs> Touch more. So, so, yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're still doing things like that. And then I'm still, uh, you know, I, I'm working pretty hard to, you know, kind of... Uh, Jazz up up the level of the entertainment on the stage. That hopefully maybe we do do some things to, maybe pull some people like me that maybe found somebody to watch the kids for the night and, and bring my wife down there and listen to a band yeah. that we liked. But then also maybe a little bit younger oriented band. So some of those you know young professionals that are just getting in there. I have a couple secured. I'm not ready to announce them yet, but it's it's definitely kind of right in that area. One is more my age demo and a little bit older than me and a little bit younger than me. And then the other main band that I'm looking at is definitely for, you know, probably those uh twenty to you know mid thirties. Mm-hmm. Um so just trying to do some things like that. So in the evening that there's something for singles to do as well. I mean so right. it while it's family oriented, we're we're gonna have a family oriented area, we still got to try to do things and, and some of that stuff might be oh we're gonna act activate, activate an event outside of soldiers field for young professionals or something like that. So I'm always open to ideas. You know yeah. that I think we kinda of, met I'm yeah. like I'm I'd love to brainstorm yeah. What I think is interesting about it, too, when you ask what is it for or
0: why are we doing it, I, you're so far into it now, almost 40 years, that Rochester Fest has existed that you are, it's fabric of the community. Mm-hmm. And you don't really think about it unless you think about what would happen if it was gone. Yeah. How different would the city layout be, the vibe over the course of the summer? It's just one yeah. of those things that... You really can't or shouldn't let go, and it's the celebration that we get to enjoy.
1: Do you know how many cities do something like Rochester Fest, and especially cities of our size? Is this unique to Rochester, or is it something that it, happens across the country it's, it's, outside of county fairs and yeah, things like
3: I that? Yeah, uh, I mean, obviously there's the county fairs, and I know a little bit about those, too. Uh, but, uh, I mean, it's it's. Not super common, I, I think, in the Midwest from what I've been able to find, especially in our size of town. Um, you know, we are a big town, but we're also a big, small town. Um, right. So that's that's part of why this probably still works. Um, you know, but when you get outside and, and get outside into some different areas, some more metropolitan areas, there are ones that have week-long celebrations. I, to be honest with you, I don't think they're as community or civically minded probably as we are. They're just Oh, it became this big concert thing, which it's great to have concerts, but it's great to also do more than that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I think we're a little unique. I mean, there's obviously plenty of things to do in the the summertime in Minnesota. If you haven't uh, been around our great state or or throughout the Midwest, there's plenty of things going on. But I think we're a little unique in, in how we approach it and what all we offer with it.
2: To Randy's comment, though, it is interesting because when I look at a calendar now, after being here so many years, you just automatically, instinctively know that rochester fest is this this time period and mm-hmm. whether you're planning to be there or not i mean it is something you plan in like the holidays mm-hmm. and everything else it's just you you understand that it is it is part of rochester
3: yeah yeah absolutely i mean that's i rochester fest was around before i moved here and i remember hearing about it when i lived in blooming prairie And like, oh, man, I got to go see that band that they have playing. So, you know, I I mean, I was over here and and, and came over and and got familiar with it. And and Thursday's downtown, I mean, the footprint that they're at uh, or have been at for the past several years, that's where it all started. There used to be multiple stages. I mean, so there's a lot of different things, and it's obviously gone through a lot of transitions. I'm only its third executive director in in its its storied history. I mean, so, uh, you know, luckily I've I've had some people that came before me that really kind of helmed, uh, you know, Done a, done a great job. I mean, so hopefully I can continue that success.
2: So you just referenced your move to Rochester when you were young, and you also mentioned that when you uh, talk to people, ninety nine point nine percent of people want to stay here. Why did you stay here? Uh,
3: why did I stay here? Um, well, at, uh, first and foremost, probably is because of my my oldest son. When I knew I was uh, had a child on the way. I'm like, all right, this is a pretty good place to, mm-hmm. uh, to be with my kid. I had two sisters that lived here that kind of helped out. I lived with one of my sisters for, for quite a while. I was still close to mom and dad. Um, you know, just, they're still, like I said, over in Blooming Prairie. Um, and I just, I was doing pretty well here, you know, to be yeah. honest with you at the, at the, at that time when I had, when my oldest is now 23, um, I have a decade children, um, <laughs> as, as you can, might've been able to figure out. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I was working at Best Buy at the time. I was uh, one of their sales managers. I was, you know, at the, in the late 90s, I was making pretty decent money doing that. And I still had my side entertainment business, you know, that um, within a couple of years became my full-time, uh, you know, job. Uh, so it just it seemed to just be the right place. You know, I liked, I liked where the community was headed.
2: Awesome. Last question for you.
3: First of all, thank you for your time. Oh, no, thanks. I feel like
2: I've been doing all the talking. <laughs> we um, let you go. It was great. You know, thank It's you. always it's always interesting to ask the question who who's been your role model? You know who who is that one person that you can point to and say, you know this 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 person made a difference in my life.
1: One or two.
3: One or two. Yeah. You know, I and I I, I looked at these. When I was sitting at home last night with the kids. I'm looking at. I'm like, man, and I really couldn't narrow it down to one or two. Uh, to be honest with you. Uh, I'm gonna say something I, I think maybe a little different. Part of my role model is my kids are my role models now, uh, especially when they were younger. Um, and and I say that because I don't think you understand what a role model is until you're old enough to know how they affected you. Uh, and, and that's that's I think true for my you know the role models I had had growing up. But my kids are role models to me because I, I think that through them I can see just kind of the openness the. Yeah. You know, the the wonderment. I mean, my, my 14-year-old still asks me questions about everything all the time. Mm-hmm. And while sometimes that can get annoyed because he's busy, um, when I really sit there and reflect on it, I'm like, I, I, I need to encourage that. I need to, you know, keep encouraging them to do it. And, I mean, they don't see in any lines or have those predefined views of things. So I, I think they're role models, and I think that we should aspire to how kids view things just so openly and honestly, you know, uh, so I I think my kids are, 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 are a big part of that for, as far as role models, uh, you know, for me now, uh, when I'm trying to look back and reflect and trying to be a better person, I got to remember how they're trying to view Mm -hmm. the world and I want them to continue to view the world that way. So how can I impact the world to make it? Uh, so it's viewed that way. Uh, you know, growing up, my parents, uh, were both, uh, you know, great role models. My, they instilled a, you know, a drive, a work hard, a, um, you know, just a, a mentality of, you know, try to do the best you can, you know, didn't not give up on stuff to be decent to others. Um, own up to your mistakes. Um, I mean, there's been times where I've had a client where I've had to eat some significant money and they're like, well, why are you not charged? I said, cause I, I screwed that up. That, that, that was my fault. I said, I told you it was this, it wasn't. I said, I didn't foresee that. I said, it's, and that's something that my dad kind of instilled in me. was, if you make a mistake, you own up to it and you, you resolve it and you mm-hmm. take the consequences for it. So I, I think they were important. And, and I think you and I, um, when we, when we first met a, a really big role model to me, and again, didn't realize how big of a role model she was until I got older, was, was my, my grandma. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, the, the thing that really kind of sticks in my mind, and this is how we got talking about cancer and cancer survivors yeah. and stuff like that was, uh, the fact that the Eagles Cancer Telethon, she was sitting there watching it and, uh, saw that there you know her our, my hometown blooming prairie wasn't really doing anything to raise money and she just as someone who'd survived cancer twice lost her daughter to cancer was just she just got mad and this is she was 80 something wow. you know and she decided she was going to start up a benefit and i mean she just took that bull by the horns and by the time the last, I think the last check that she actually presented on stage before she passed away it was it was right around a hundred thousand dollars which is just in, in a community crazy. of two thousand people yeah wow. um so i mean obviously she got a lot of people kind of buying into what she was doing and then you know when she passed away that was that, that was tough um but I, I was fortunate enough that my uh wife um had a great grandma yeah. uh, that uh, grandma lucy that was kind of continued to be a role model in in, in that same type of fashion just being an accepting person, you know, and somebody who grew up in the era that she was to, to not have colored views of, you know, changes and how the world's changed, not being set in her ways, being able to say, okay, this is where I'm in a different time now. And and I need to be accepting of that. So she's a great role model in that way. So I've been fortunate that I've been surrounded by a lot of good people. That's an awesome answer. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I, and it is true that sometimes when we're growing up around people, we don't understand the impact that they've had in our lives, like our grandparents. Um, But you are probably the first one that I've heard say, my kids are my role model. Because, you know, when you look at the world through the eyes of younger people, sometimes people kind of will like they'll get down on the millennials, because they have a different viewpoint. Mm -hmm. And the truth is that they, different isn't always wrong, different isn't always bad. And the the it's nice to see how you had a grandmother who or your wife's grandmother who embraced that as well that's that's a huge thought process that we could use a lot more of as an older generation embracing some of the changes rather than saying but it's always been this way. So that's great.
0: It is. You yeah. takes the time to walk in someone else's shoes. Yeah. You say it all the time but we don't really do it. Think yeah. about someone else's perspective. And we
1: discredit these younger these younger people. We we had a conversation with our kids the other night about politics and it was Ron and I and our our my daughter and her husband and our granddaughter and I, I loved the different generations and what they brought to that conversation and mm-hmm. how we were able to talk about it and, and hear each other and think about, well, that could be right. And, you know, if, if you don't, you miss out so much in life. So, good for you for appreciating that in your kids. Hopefully, That's, I
3: just re- remember to remind myself to keep thinking yeah. that way. That's huge, though. That's we great. Have to
0: do it. Yeah. So how does anybody? how do we find out about Rochester Fest? Why don't you plug all your stuff?
3: Yeah, so uh, rochesterfest.com is the main website. Um, We're updating stuff as we get it, but social media is always just a good way because we we quickly put stuff out on that, so that's just uh, Facebook, Rochester Fest. We have a Twitter and an Instagram account, so if you're out there, follow us, uh, uh, get those updates. Um, I'm kind of trying to do a lot more with that, even when it's not Rochester Fest time to kind of keep things a little more relevant. We just had a, a one that was uh, pretty popular with our chair, um, who's Judy Bratz this year. So I got a pretty mm-hmm. good cheerleader yeah. for my first yep. year as uh, Rochester Fest. Um, so yeah, just go onto the website, find us on Facebook, um, keep up to date.
0: Wonderful. And uh, as an introvert sometimes and a claustrophobic person, I love it. Down at the new location. Yeah, I do too. I don't feel like a sardine, you know. You got the wide open field to escape to if you need a little bit of space. So, hats off. Thank you. you. It's great.
1: Now, Randy Brock, you just let a little skeleton out of the closet that you're introvert, slightly introverted, but not all the time. No, not at all. Not when your (laughs) career was on television. (laughs) No, not at all. All right, Brandon.
0: Thank you very much for being here today. Thanks for having me, Ron and Lynn. Thank you. And you can find us at whitemanbrock.com, W-I-G-H-T-M-A-N-B-R-O-C-K.com. Our email address is info at whitemanbrock.com, and we would
1: love to hear from you.